Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is a podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to 66866. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say, hey, you can contact us at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys, um, happy new year. Happy um, February, happy Black History Month by the time this show comes on. Um, I feel like I need to apologize to you guys. First of all, I've practiced doing <laughs> this show about 50 different times in my head, just kind of like coming back. I've missed you guys. I hope that you've missed me. Um, it was not my intention to stay away this long with the podcast, but a lot has happened in the last uh, four to six weeks. I don't even remember when the last time there was a show that we did a show I don't even remember because the last few weeks has kind of been a blur to me and I'm going to explain that and then we're going to talk about some other things okay so I think the last time that we I did a show y'all you guys if you've listened for a while you know that I don't listen to the old shows I listen to them if I have to for business purposes but I usually don't ever listen to the old shows but I believe the last few shows were basically about death and the grieving process and so I don't know if God was trying to prepare me for something but I had a few people pass away that were like good friends towards the end of 2019 and what ended up happening um before 
the year was over, I got a call that my aunt who raised me was not doing well and that she didn't have long to live. And so it forced me to deal with my own personal grief and it forced me to deal with my own emotions surrounding death in a way that I'm just kind of not used to dealing with. If you've heard the episode where I talk about my dad passing away, that was more mechanical for me. And it was just kind of like, okay, my father's passed away. There are things that needs to be done. I have to plan this funeral. I have to pay for this stuff. Um, I have to find documents and things. So there were things that needed to be done. I just did the things that needed to be done. But in the process of learning, try not to cry, that my aunt Audrey was dying, um, there was just so much going on in my life, but being related, but not having to be active, I felt my grief in a way that I hadn't in, in a while where it was just like full on grief and we knew that she was passing she made a decision that she was no longer going to get treatment uh, she lived for 80 years was 79 she told me 79 her last was her last birthday but she you know she she lived almost to 80 she'd been married for 62 years um, she raised basically my sister and I, my cousin and, you know, her, wait, I always forget, her six kids, grandkids, uh, foster kids, like she raised a whole Bainbridge Street in Brooklyn. And so um, I knew she was sick last time we spoke was maybe two months before uh wait like three months before it had gotten bad on well two months before she'd gotten she you know really fell ill and so so having that conversation with her and her telling me that she was okay and everything was all right and then you know a month later hearing that she may not make it was just kind of strange to me and I got tired of being strong for everybody you know I'm strong for people in my work I have been dealing with a lot of clients with death issues I'm back to work now after being off for a month so I wasn't just away from here I had to take a month off of work but we'll talk about why that was um <laughs> and you know now that I'm back to work I'm dealing with grief issues and you know I think I've said this previously what happens to me in my real life happens to me at work so usually and if you're a therapist out there this happens to you please tell me if this happens to you so that I know that I'm just not crazy or like projecting my stuff onto whatever's going on with my clients um but I feel like whatever's happening in my own life is also happening in my client work um not always but majority of the time or there are like underlying themes that I can learn from in my own personal life and so I had a client who 
came in and she's dealing with grief issues herself and she so articulately stated that whenever she's had a death in her life or a loss related to a death it's always been multiple losses and I've never thought of it I'm, I'm gonna get emotional I never thought of it that way but it's it it, it precisely described to me what this loss felt like and it definitely described to me why grieving is so so hard for me um I've often often said this on the podcast that being a therapist sometimes is very therapeutic for me because I find answers to questions that I didn't even know I had and so when she said it I was like tell me you know obviously tell me more about that but when she she mentioned it I was like yo basically what she said was is that any anytime she's encountered the death of a person she's had losses related to those people around based off of the feelings and the emotions and the behaviors that happen that eventually somebody else either either needs to be cut out of her life or removes themselves from her after the situation or whatever and I was like yo that's happened to me and so I got word that my aunt was passing I want to get back to that but I got word that my aunt was passing away and I decided that I was going to go down to see her I'm not sure if I said here but I I had a, a wedding in Africa that I was supposed to go to and that was a few weeks later. So I didn't want her to pass away and me be in Africa and not be able to, to uh, make it to the funeral. So I at least wanted to see her before she passed so that I could, you know, kind of make amends and say good, say goodbye and like deal with with all I was feeling. You know, my mother was a teenage mom. By the time she had me, she was 20. Uh, so moving in next door to my aunt who then was my safety net and my babysitter and my constant who took care of me when I was sick who um you know rubbed me with calamine lotion when I had chicken pox and let me watch Sesame Street and the price is right while I was sick and stayed home from school and she took care of me on the days off and she was a, a constant and the only safe place that I had ever been when it came to where I stayed and who I stayed with and gave me complete love. I had to deal with a lot of feelings about that. And so when I went to say goodbye, I was like, I have to be strong for my cousins. They can't see me cry. I don't want them to feel what I'm feeling, but I'm just overcome with my sadness. And it was a point that I looked at my cousin when I was leaving and she looked at me like, if you cry, I'm going to knock your, <laughs> knock your head off. You better not. And I just gave her a look back like, okay, I'm going to suck it up. 
And when I got on my way home, I just cried the whole entire way. I cried myself to sleep. I cried the whole entire way. And it was like I knew that she would be in a better place. I'm religious, so I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. None of that was comforting to me. It was literally like this is the last time I'm going to see her alive. And it was just too overwhelming for me emotionally. And so I knew that she made her choice and that she didn't want to suffer anymore and that she didn't want to go to treatment anymore. And I had to respect her choice. But my brain was totally overrided by my emotions. I just could not stop crying about it. And what she meant to me, I don't know, just having genuine love. My grandmother passed away when I was six, so I kind of assigned that role to her in my life pardon me if my voice is cracking you guys I kind of assigned that role to her in my life so it was just really difficult to say goodbye to somebody that just gave you unconditional love and knowing life went on and then they moved away and I didn't get to see her as often and I didn't speak to her as often but grateful that I at least got to speak to her that last time because we had a really long conversation and it renewed a commitment in me to try to do what I I can do not that I'm not a giver because you guys know I'm a giver in my work but I'm not really as much of a giver in my personal life just knowing that my home could be a safe space or a safe place of support for my friend's children and, uh, you know, kids that I know or young mothers and being able to provide that level of support that I got yeah you know I've talked about my baby my own baby mama on this show it takes a village to really truly love and raise a child and it doesn't always have to be a blood relative um I was older before I recognized that we were actually related related but I mean as far as I knew she was she was our babysitter and she was Aunt Audrey when I grew up you either you either called an adult Mr. or Mrs. or aunt or uncle and she was you know it was Aunt Audrey and Uncle Coffee and so you know knowing that I could do a little bit more to spread the love in my community and be that safe space for people it's something that I aspire to do now and honor her. But knowing that I had the funeral coming, um, I was actually able to attend the funeral before I went to Africa. But knowing that I had the funeral coming, knowing that we were not as close of a family as we used to be because of proximity, they moved away. I just felt 
like I was losing a part of my history. I was losing a part of my identity. I was going to lose my family, my cousins, because probably not going to see them again. I hope there's no change in audio quality. I had to change my um, my recorder. But yeah, so, you know, I just felt like I was grieving the loss, the two losses that my client had mentioned, both the loss of the reason that I would see my cousins, which was my aunt, and the loss of my actual aunt so it was just very devastating to me and also feeling isolated if I had gone to Africa and missed the services that didn't happen I was actually able to go um before I went on my trip but it left me in a fog um I missed my flight (laughs) um I just was like burnt completely mentally exhausted and burnt out so I had already been on vacation since um Christmas I had taken the time off to just kind of refocus there were things that I I had planned on doing in my business to set me up for 2020 that planning didn't happen because I was busy grieving and running back and forth to Virginia to see her and say goodbye and then go to the funeral and then come back and then I had like two days back before I had to fly out to to Africa and then that trip was a seven day trip and then I got sick on the trip so it was just like so much going on I felt like I felt crazy I felt mentally drained I felt physically tired I felt emotionally tired and so it was just like I kind of just need to get my life in order and it didn't happen. I had planned on at least resting on the trip a little bit, but there was so much going on and so much packed into the trip. And then since I missed the flight and had to take a later flight, I got, I got, um, delayed. So some of the things that I needed to do or wanted to do just got pushed back. It was just pandemonium. And so, um, I really only got to rest maybe one day on the trip, but again, I got sick and we're going to talk about that. So, um, that's why I've been away. I had to just make a decision of coming back and doing everything that I do for the show, all of the social media stuff, all of the recording, the editing, the everything, and then feeling overwhelmed because I literally, when I came back, I got sick. Well, I got sick on the trip. I don't know if I, I, well, I do know. Um, And don't laugh, guys. So I went to a restaurant called Gold. I do not believe that that restaurant got me sick, but I did try a lot of African delicacies. My first time on the continent. It's my first time eating these kinds of foods. I tried ostrich. And some other things. And um, the next day, I was no good to anybody. I was like, went on a safari, which was amazing. And then there, there were all these foods on, the, like different foods that I wasn't used to eating on the safari. I didn't eat a lot, but it was very bumpy. Um, and by the time I went back, I was just like throwing up in the van. 
thin dub all over everything, but I was just not good. I wasn't well. And so that lasted for the much, almost the majority of the trip. Actually, the majority of the trip. I was able to kind of manage how I was feeling some days, but I only had like maybe a few good hours before I wasn't feeling well completely and had to rest. So I did as much as I could do when I had the strength to do it. And then because I didn't want to not do all of the things that I had already paid for. It was a great trip, being that we did go on a safari. I got to see the lions. They were like literally right next to me. I got to see giraffes and zebras and the elephants were mean. I tell everybody that um, <laughs> the elephants were blocking the road. They got together and blocked the road and puffed up their ears and they blocked these two vans from coming down the road like they were on one. But I got to see all of the big animals, the rhinos, the wildebeests. What else did we see? A peacock, a crane, baboons having sex in the street. Yeah, that that actually happened. So it was like a real advantageous trip. We did a lot of things. We went hiking to... Um, I say hiking. It really wasn't hiking. We climbed a bunch of steps, but no one was prepared to to even be physical at all that day. We saw penguins out in the wild. So it was like a lot of different things that we got to do and do activities. And um, we went to Robin Island. We got to see Nelson Mandela's cell. Um, And so for my first time going to Africa, it's definitely not what you see on TV. I think that most people, most black people in America are informed about Africa from like UNICEF commercials. And you think about those commercials back in the days of the Ethiopians with the babies with the flies on their eyes and distended stomachs and starving. Of course, we didn't see any of that stuff. Cape Town, South Africa is a very white town. Was way too many white people for me to be honest with you, meaning that I'm going to Africa. I expect to see Africans in the motherland and expect it to be a place that you know blackness is celebrated. And I didn't feel that would that made me sad. Um, I got really close with some of the gentlemen who worked at our uh, the condo where we were staying. It was very, very sweet. Every day they took care of me. They made sure that I was good. They knew that I was sick. They really tried to take take care of me. So it was really a good thing. But uh, there was one point where one of the guys had asked me if I had gone out to the townships. And the townships are where like the poor people live. And I just let them know that I had passed them. We saw a lot of them. Um, the, they kind of made me sad because they're like little houses with like 10 roofs on them but I didn't go in so I was like well I didn't go into the townships and he was like there's there's a township tour and I'm like why would I pay anybody to take me into the townships I'm gonna pay a white person to take me to see poverty like that just doesn't make any sense so I was like you guys live in a township if you wanted to invite me to dinner I'd go to meet your family but I definitely wouldn't go pay some white person to take me on a poverty tour like that's just not respectful to me and furthermore like I live in Brooklyn so I see like these little tours around like East New York and these Bed-Stuy tours they irk the shit out of me and so I would never do something 
that I don't want done to me. It just seems kind of crazy. And so I would definitely go back to the motherland. I definitely would go back to Cape Town. I feel like there's a few more things that I wanted to do that I didn't do. But the things that I wanted to experience, I definitely want to do an overnight safari. Um, But there's so much more of Africa that I want to see. I met so many different Africans from the Congo and Angola and um, everybody was from Zim, Zimbabwe, um, Kenya. So I met so many different people while I was there and everyone was kind of nice, kind of. Some of the people, women were not so nice. Um, and I get it, right? You see us coming, we're Americans and we're black and we are spending a lot of money and we're staying in a white, a predominantly white area. And, you know, you may feel left out of your African dream or your South African dream. And here we'd say the American dream just because of race or color. Um, I had a lively discussion with one guy who told me that I couldn't be black because they're because they know who their black people are and I look mixed um mixed with something which is I mean I guess it's kind of true there's mulattoes all down you know my family tree but I didn't choose that so in Africa there's a thing well South Africa you were classified as blacks coloreds who were mixed and whites I mean they're Indians or yeah, Indians, I'm not really sure where they they lived. Um, but it was a very eye-opening cultural experience. I got to go to the Diamond Museum, which was also interesting there. And, I, you know, I bought some, some things back. But I don't know. It made me emotional. But, of course, because of everything I had already gone through, I was already emotional. It was emotional be- to be on the continent. I got to swim in the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean the same day. When I say swim, I'm being very generous with that word. I got to put my feet in the Atlantic Ocean because the water was like super duper duper cold. And in the Indian Ocean, the water was much, much, much warmer. But we did. We went on the same day and the weather was different. The sand was different. The shells were different. The seashells were different. The water temperature was completely different. Um, and so it was just very interesting to be on this exact same island and being, you know, surrounded by two different oceans and being able to indulge in those things on the same day. But that kind of like sums up my trip. Just the catering that they, the people on the island did to the Dutch men who were there. I don't know if you guys know, but South Africa used to be a Dutch colony. The Dutch were the ones who imposed apartheid. Um, Learning about political prisoners and going to visit the jail where Mandela was and being in his garden was extremely emotional. Um, But there was definitely a direct sadness because a lot of the history that we learned, we learned with based on white people 
like there was a guy, Vasco da Gama, he came from wherever. And if I'm ruining the name, I really wasn't paying that much of attention. But he came from Portugal. And like they were literally teaching us things of like, this is when Africa was introduced to the West. And this is when the portal for, for Africa's success. And it was like, why does your history start by where white people was introduced with Africa. It was just annoying the hell out of me. Like, I really wanted to hear more about African pride and success. The only real good thing that happened while I was there was that there was a televised funeral on TV while I was there. And I was like, was this guy, was he a politician? Was he somebody? And he was like, no, he was just a rich man. But he was a a black man who was able to be rich. Like, he was a billionaire in Africa during apartheid and he let nothing stop him. And so for them to televise that, I think it was so inspirational to let other black people know that you, I know the circumstances are not great, but you can keep trying. And to be in an environment where I was able to like talk to some of the guys that I met about their dreams and their aspirations for themselves and their families, it was really inspiring. But, um, yeah, it pushed me to want to go harder. And on that note, so things are going to change a little bit on the show. I think I said this before. I've committed to doing this show for five years. We're almost at year five. So I want to start talking more so about business, um, in the business of minding your own business, no matter what you, you do that was gross I'm sorry my nose is running because I was crying (laughs) pardon me but yeah the the business of minding your own business and just kind of talking about how whatever it is that you do you can be a gift to the world by creating opportunities to not only monetize that but but to get your marketing message out to the people that really want to buy the thing that you're selling and use and leverage your expertise to help them live better in life or improve their situations or do whatever it is that they do. So if you're interested in working with me in coaching, I'm going to probably start a new Facebook group soon where I'll be giving um, exclusive content and things. Um, I'm working on some platforms to do exclusive content this year to help you, whether you want to start your podcast, whether you want to gain clarity on, on your business ideas, whether you are a therapist in private practice or a student who wants to be a therapist in private practice and you want to get out, <clears throat> get the message out there and start doing what um, you need to do in order to leverage your expertise to make money and be a blessing to other people in life, then I think that this is for you. So if you haven't signed up to the mailing list, please do because the major announcements will probably be there. And if you want to work with me coaching wise, pull up, pull up, uh, send me an email at Nikita in banks in banks at Nikita banks.com. That's in banks at N I K I T a banks.com. Of course, I always forget how to spell my name. Don't ask me why. Um, And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you and making 2020 and beyond the best years of your life.
okay? Because I know that they're going to be the best years of my life. I just have to live. I have to just get out there and do what I need to do because life is not promised. We know we just lost Kobe and his daughter Gianna. And, you know, we just got to keep pushing and being the best that we can be and doing the work that God has placed us on this earth to do, which is finding our voice and being able to utilize our talent, skills, and ability to be a blessing for other people. And if I can help you anywhere in that journey, make sure that you, you let me know. Okay. All right, guys, be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website blacktherapistpodcast.com and don't forget if you want to send us any general feedback show suggestions uh, show topics or guest ideas please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com thank you be well